0: Welcome to the WWE Podcast Monday Night Raw Review. We're going to get everything going in just a minute with all of the big news headlined by Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar being 100% official for the Royal Rumble. We're also going to get into the Street Profits versus Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz. We're going to get into Chad Gable and Otis versus RK Bro, as well as WWE hiding the city that they were in on Monday night. But I did some research. I dug deep. I dug far and I dug long and I was able to finally discover where Monday Night Raw was hosted in this generic place called South Carolina. So you're not gonna want to miss the big reveal. We'll get to that and a lot more right after a word from our sponsor. How would you like to get 47 ebooks for one dollar? Yes, 47 for a dollar. The only place to get that is MillionaireWealthclub.com. These books include passive income advice with Airbnbs, vending machines, credit repair, Amazon profits, YouTube celebrities, generational wealth, and much more. They're striving to push the youth to be entrepreneurs versus employees in 2022. Add this bundle to your cart and use coupon code millionaire at checkout. If there are any issues, you can just contact them and they'll get your bundle over immediately. Head on over to millionairewealthclub.com and get 47 ebooks for a dollar. I can't believe I'm saying that. 47 ebooks for a dollar. It's really a no brainer. Head on over to millionairewealthclub.com. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE podcast. got a rated R superstar. The champ is the one that everybody wants. Me. 16, I just your ass. This is you going to acknowledge me. Welcome to the WWE Podcast Monday Night Raw review for this January 4th, 2022. Happy New Year. Hope you and yours are doing well. We've certainly got a lot to talk about tonight with uh, just a, really a newsworthy Monday Night Raw where we saw a couple of matches already get made for the Royal Rumble on top of the fact that the Royal Rumble match itself is coming up and we will see lots of declarations of being in that match because that's all you need to do is declare you're in it and you're in it. Um, but we're, we've are we got a lot to talk about good, bad and in, kind of indifferent on Monday Night Raw. So we'll, we'll get to that. I've also, as I said at the top of the show, uncovered, unearthed the secret that WWE has been trying to hide from us in where did they broadcast from? From Monday Night Raw, we we heard it was South Carolina, but we did we didn't get exactly where, and um, it's it's weird, right? So strange, so strange that we didn't get the city. We just got the state. That's how you know they're embarrassed to be where they're at. Sorry, South Carolinians. I went to school there for a semester. I loved to party there. I was a big spring breaker in South Carolina, particularly Myrtle Beach. Another podcast for another day. Probably not PG either, but um, uh, anyway. uh, So we'll get to that. We'll I'll, i'll i'll reveal the big. The, the big uh, discovery in just a moment, but I want to give a shout out to those latest patrons who have joined us over there. It's continuing to grow. Our community over at Patreon is continuing to grow, and I really do appreciate it. The latest patron, two of them. We have Fossy 32 and we have none other than Mr. Casual Wrestling Fan, who has officially joined us over there at Patreon. So thank you to both of you. Uh, I do really appreciate it. Many of you have also upped your, uh, your your tiers, and I do appreciate that as well. We're continuing to grow, and I do really appreciate it. Give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and go ad-free. Get rid of these ads. I understand that there, there are quite a few on this show, but why would you not want to monetize your labor? Uh, that's what I say. And if you want to just get rid of them for a dollar, you can do that. It's a pretty good, pretty good bargain, got to say. And I'm not just trying to sell myself, or am I? All right. Well, let's jump into Monday Night Raw. And like I said, many hours of research. I did a lot of hours of research. I really just, I I stayed up all hours of the night. I I, I fell asleep on my keyboard. I was digging through archives. um, And lo and behold, after I passed out on my desk, I woke up and there was the answer right in front of me, like a beaming light. And I heard the angels sing and God himself shined his light down on me. And it was revealed. And WWE could no longer hide their secret of where they were on Monday night. And they were in, it was a, it's a place. It's a very strange place. Very uh kind of just, just a very different place. I don't think anybody's ever heard of this place before. Greenville, South Carolina, I believe is the name. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Greenville, Grenville. (laughs) Uh, I'm just being extremely dramatic for no reason. Greenville, South Carolina, folks, is where WWE was on Monday night. And you know when they don't even, they didn't even put a graphic up. And look, I know you're here for the Monday Night Raw review. We're going to get into the details of it because there was a lot of good and a lot of kind of weirdness that took place on Monday night. And uh, of course, the first RAW of the new year is always big, because it's truly the the first one heading into WrestleMania season. I believe, even though yes, the Royal Rumble is the official start of the road, but this is like the road to the road. So if these two roads are connected, then aren't you on that road? So uh, I know again, I know I'm being a bit dramatic, and I'm stringing this out, and it's like, who cares where they were? You know, just get to Monday Night RAW. I bring it up because it speaks to what WWE feels about the perception the perception of themselves to the public that they care or at least they feel that the people watching care and that the stakeholders and uh, and and Wall Street care and their sponsors care or maybe their own egos care about the city that they're in and that they only announce cities they deem quote unquote worthy to say where they are A lot of times you'll also hear when they're not quite in New York City, they'll say they're in the shadow of New York City. What the hell does that mean? You're not in New York City. Say where you are, right? Like when they're in Long Island or they're in Jersey, right? Sometimes they'll say they're in the shadow of New York City. Stop it. Own where you are. I don't, you know, for the life of me, understand this has been a long-standing issue with them that when they don't announce the city, they're embarrassed to be where they are they they are if it's especially not an NFL city they they hide they, they they put the blanket over their face and hope no one notices where they are and they're just in some random city so at least they were able to say the state and everybody was instructed to say the state of where they are you heard it in a promo you you heard it at the top of the show that they're in South Carolina well that's a bit that's a bit vague right there's Hundreds of square miles of South Carolina. Where are you? So I'll, I'll get off this in a second, but WWE deserves a scolding for this. It's so small of them to do this. They, again, they do this from time to time. No graphic. And they just named this. They gave the state and they're probably embarrassed by the state because Lord knows Vince McMahon does not like the South and Hicks and Southern accents. It's very well documented. Jim Ross himself has said it. Jim Ross even alluded to the fact that Vince McMahon didn't like his Southern accent. So this is uh, just so little of them. And it speaks to it, it really speaks volume about them, doesn't it? When they don't even name the city, they don't have the respect to, to to for those fans that paid their money to get into that arena, take time out of their day of their lives to be there. And they don't even mention the city that they're in. OK, I'll get off this. But, you know, shame on you, WWE. Yeah. Shame on you for the. Every time that they do this, uh, that they feel the, the city's not worthy, that they, they want to hide, they feel like it should always be big market. Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's jump into uh, something that happened on Monday Night Raw, and uh, hell, let's jump into the big topic. Talk about bearing the lead, but that's okay. Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, it's official, folks. It is official, official. It's one-on-one, and Lord help me if this turns into some multi-person match. It needs to be one-on-one. It does not have to be anything else. You know, I am a bit surprised that they decided to go with this so quickly, but that tells you that they have other plans for Brock at WrestleMania. If they are going with Brock and Bobby at Rumble, that means that it could be Brock and Roman at Mania. In fact, I would say it's likely. And... Brock did say at the end of Raw that he's going to see Roman on SmackDown, which also tells you Roman's out of quarantine, and that's a good thing. But it does tell you that they're going to get this match out of the way. Not that they can't revisit it, but you you wouldn't... If you're going to make this the true WrestleMania main event, you wouldn't have done this now and then have to do it again and try to pretend it's the biggest thing ever in a couple of months at WrestleMania. So... It, it, to me, it's it's uh, Brock and and Roman at WrestleMania as it stands right now. Of course, Drew McIntyre could could uh, insert himself and have a three way for the Universal Championship at uh, WrestleMania. In fact, that's like that, that's an early early three month ahead of time call. Is Brock versus Drew versus Roman at WrestleMania for the main event and the in the main event the Universal Championship? That is my prediction right now. Barring something insane like The Rock coming back, which I right now I don't think it's going to happen, so that's my early call. But back to Monday Night Raw, uh, we got Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar officially back together, and it was a little weird to see them together. Honestly, it, it it was and it wasn't like it was familiar, but he had spent Paul that is spent so much time doing a brilliant job with Roman and altering his character, the kind of this sniveling, uh, fearful subservient character to Roman that he comes in in, and really is like pals with Brock Lesnar. He has a different attitude with Brock. He's, I I, I don't know. It it, it didn't feel, it felt weird with Paul Heyman doing what he did with no explanation of why they're back together. And that promo that Paul Heyman had with Kayla Braxton that got so much attention and well deserved with uh, him unshaven and saying his career could be over all that clearly got put on the back burner. Whatever they were going to do at the uh, at the day one event, no longer pay-per-view, the day one premiere event or a premiere live event. I don't know what the hell they're calling it now. Then it got clearly backburnered uh, because they didn't even touch that. It's like that didn't even happen. And uh, the, the, the COVID quarantine has really thrown a wrench into this whole thing. We'll find out if it's for the better or for the worse. But it's uh, uh Brock Lesnar versus Bobby at Rumble. Interestingly, at the end of that match, we'll get into the main event itself, of course, in a minute, but the, uh, the the uh the really the lack of respect to acknowledge Bobby Lashley directly was was interesting and on purpose, and I'm glad the announcers pointed that out. Brock Lesnar at the end of that kind of went, "Huh," and just stared at the screen, but his message or his uh statement or whatever the hell they they asked him at the end, do you, do you have something you want to say? Brock just addressed Roman. He didn't even mention and utter the words Bobby Lashley, even though he just witnessed Bobby Lashley earn the number one contendership for his WWE championship at the Royal Rumble. So that's interesting, and that's a story they'll probably play on. And it looks like Brock Lesnar right now is doing double duty. He's going to be on SmackDown and on Raw, more than likely not on a weekly basis unless WWE is just going to bleed money for him. And at this point with the the COVID quarantine, that COVID quarantine has cost WWE millions of dollars. Why? Because now they had to pay and have to pay Brock Lesnar more money to add more dates to his contract so that he could be WWE champion and go down this path that they didn't expect to go down. Had this COVID quarantine not happened to Roman Reigns. So this may be, maybe the most expensive COVID quarantine in world history at least for wwe <laughs> so when you look at it that way and uh you know i i really we'll, we'll see if time we'll, you know as we go on if this was uh something that the gods interfered in and we look back and go man that that coven quarantine COVID quarantine really seemed to work out or if we look back and we say oh man well what could have been right it, it's always going to be the what if game always it always is in your life it always is you always wonder what if what if i did this what if i did that And the same thing here with the storyline with WWE and, uh, again, Brock and, and Paul, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. And we'll see if eventually Roman or Paul Heyman does turn on, on Brock. I really believe he will and align himself with Roman. I still believe that. Uh, I think it actually could happen in the next month and a half, four to six weeks, maybe right after the rumble, but we'll get into that. Of course, down the line now, uh, the Fatal 4-Way match itself, it's the match that they said that was scheduled to happen at day one before Brock got inserted into the matchup. And this matchup was, uh, I mean, these four guys are so good together. They're good on their own, including Big E. And you know what? I'm going to credit Big E on his promo. Hallelujah. A serious Big E does exist. Not the... Goofy Kofi, when he lost to Brock, just comes out throwing pancakes the next week. But this time, we had B- uh, Biggie react appropri- appropriately to his loss to Brock Lesnar at Day One, losing the WWE Championship, and saying it meant so much to him. He al- he seemed very emotional, almost really genuine emotion that he dropped had to drop the belt. That to me th- that was a big step in the right direction for a Big E's character. That was a huge step in the right direction, at least in my mind, to differentiate him from the New Day, separate him from the New Day. So praise for the first time to, to Big E here, at least from a character perspective. It made total sense for him to be somber, but focused and angry and make convincing you that he could win the Fatal 4-Way that night. And you know what? There's there a case to be made for that, but they went with Bobby. So, But the match itself, my God. I mean, these these four individuals just killed each other out there. Kevin Owens doing, you know, sunset bombs off the, uh, you know, off the arena or off the, uh, the, the concrete steps below and going people going through tables in the merchandise stand and uh, people going through tables through the announce table, all that kind of stuff. Um, it was it was uh, it was intense. The commercial breaks did hurt it a little bit. There were two commercial breaks during this match. And they always happen when somebody gets power bombed or and then they zoom in on the person who's staring there with an angry face. And, and the question before they go to break is always, and can so and so get back in the matchup? And we, we know the answer. The answer is yes. Always yes. <laughs> but the match itself, my God, it was uh, very well done. I, I did expect Brock to come out at the end. He didn't, but we did see him at the end um, in, a, in a quick, quick interview with uh, what I just mentioned before. But uh, this was this was well done. Uh, Bobby Lashley winning is fine. Bobby Lashley, you could see the true emotion on his face. Like, finally, I get Brock Lesnar. He has been very vocal over the last several years of a dream match for him being Brock Lesnar personally. So that's going to be fun as hell to watch. And uh, I, I do wonder what's going to happen in that matchup. I could absolutely see again early prediction for the rumble we, we i could see roman reigns screwing uh, brock lesnar out of his championship and uh, giving it to Big E or um to uh bobby lashley at the rumble so brock is only a one-month champion so he doesn't have to do double duty it's just very temporary and then he focuses all his energy on smackdown chasing roman reigns that's probably what happens i don't think brock Lesnar doing double duty, feuding with Roman on SmackDown, being WWE champion on Raw is a long-term thing. Number one, it's a lot of money for WWE. Number two, you risk exposing, overexposing Brock Lesnar as well, and I think that that's something they need to watch out for. So I do believe, right now as it stands today, you know the Rumbles on, the, on Saturday, January 29th, but right now I think Brock Lesnar is a one-month champion, and that's okay. That, 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 I really think that's okay. You know, I, I don't have an issue with that. So uh, that said, though, again, boy, the, all four men are just such a joy to watch in the ring, and uh, great job by all involved. And Bobby Rock uh, Brock is going to be fun. All right. Well, uh, moving on to the Miz and Maurice, and then Edge and Beth Phoenix. A matchup that we expected, predictable, yes, but still fun, yes. This is an example of predictability being okay and where predictability is something that can be that a lot of wrestling fans view as a negative, but it shouldn't always be viewed as a negative because a lot of times what's predictable is the right thing to do, and this is a good example. And, you know, Beth Phoenix coming back. Albeit she was extremely cartoonish when she came back on uh, Saturday night at the day one pay-per-view. And what I mean by that is not her mohawk kind of awkward haircut, but uh, I mean, it's badass, I guess, but it's just, it's a little distracting. It's I, I don't know what to make of her haircut, I guess. I'm neutral on it. I'm like, sometimes I look at it and go, that's badass. Other times I'm like, that's kind of a weird, distracting haircut. I I mean, it's her hair. I could care less. But um, anyway, so her, her facials is what I'm talking about from a cartoon perspective. She just had the most cartoon angry face. She could have done without the teeth. She showed way too much teeth in the angry um the angry face when she came down to the ring to even the odds against Maurice and it was just I don't know. Like go watch. It's it's way too cartoonish. And Becky uh, or Becky Lynch uh Beth Phoenix should know better, I think. You know, it's not a not a rant, just kind of an observation of Tone it down. She could have just done like an angry face without teeth. That would that would have been much more realistic. But anyway, I liked how Beth Phoenix and Edge have kind of a a, a co opted stance with the when the fireworks went off. Very cool to see. I think this is when Edge was being presented with this matchup and this program, that th- this is the match that I think sold him on it. Because I believe Edge can pick and choose who he wants to work with at this point. I do believe that. He's he's earned that. And when he went into this program with Miz, I was like, okay, Miz, fine. He's a very just, he's an okay heel. He's, he's tolerable when he's not with Morrison fine. And they did it in edge one. But now I see, I think what really sold edge is part two here, because being able to tag with your wife against another power couple is something you may never get an opportunity to do it, do again in your career. So I think this is on his bucket list. Of things he wants to do to call it a career. Now I'm not saying this is his end of his career. I'm I'm not sure how much longer he's got. Maybe a year. Maybe less. Maybe more. But I think for him, knowing that he is very limited in the number of times he's going to be in the ring, why would this not be on his bucket list to be able to tag with your wife? And I think that's that's really cool. And I get that. Totally understand. I I, I really you know I respect that. I respect that a lot. So that's gonna be fun. Now, do I think Ms and Maurice could win? Yeah. Yeah, but we'll get to our predictions in a few weeks. We got time. So uh but th- this segment was good. You know, Miz and Maurice played the Cowardly Heels, and Maurice saying that if Beth Phoenix was here right now, I would punch her in the face. And cue Beth Phoenix's music. And of course, Maurice doesn't. And then at the end of the segment, we have Beth Phoenix pretend like she's going to punch Maurice in the face and Maurice flinches and falls to the ground. And uh, it, it's just, it's all classic heel stuff and, and just likable baby faces. Both are Edge and Beth Phoenix are likable as hell. And uh, I, I think this segment was, was well done. I really do. I think it was well done. Uh, I still love edges, music edges, music edges, wrestling music may very well be one of my favorite, if not my favorite entrance music of all time. It's catchy, it sticks in your head. it's energetic and something that live Morgan's music is not. I guess that's a transition here into the live Morgan segment. Um, and I'll just say this on live Morgan's segment or live Morgan's music and then I'll, we'll take a break for the sponsor and come back with a much more detailed look at the Live Morgan, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, Dewdrop, saga. We'll get to that in a minute. But one thing I'll say in Liv Morgan's music. Look, Liv Morgan right now, I think, is losing some steam. Uh, and her music needs to change immediately. Why? Her music sounds like a lullaby at the beginning. It, I mean, just listen to the first, like, five seconds. And You know what? No, no, no. I don't want you to, to, to have to put any effort in. You're already listening to this show. Let me have you listen to the first few seconds of this uh, of this music, and I'll tell you why it's not a good thing, even though it's only a few seconds. And what WWE can do to change it. So Take a listen. So just a, just a few seconds there, and again, it's like that. It's like a little kids tune at the beginning and then there's some awkward laughing and then there's just generic female wrestler music after that there's nothing real energetic or make you make you want to stand up and, and go crazy for her even if you if you're a mid Liv Morgan fan and I'm a live Morgan fan I love her I actually love her promo style a lot Um, I've said that before but to me live Morgan's got to change her music it's it's too relaxing it's just too generic and it's got some childlike sounds to it in my mind at the very beginning and the beginning of your music is more important than any part of the music after that because the beginning of the music is a cue for the fans to boo or cheer or whatever and when you hear like kind of those i don't know if there's like a piano or whatever is playing at the beginning uh, it sounds like a lullaby going on it's not exactly the most energetic sound in the world now is this a game-changing you know, revelation if Liv Morgan changes her music, everything's going to fall into place and she's going to be a huge star. No, but it's just one of the things I think WWE can do to get things going. I mean, think about all the entrance music uh, things, uh, entrance music themes that you love, and the first few seconds are really what you go right to, right? Edge right there with the, the strum of the guitar, Bret Hart, the strum of the guitar, Stone Cold, Crash of the Glass, uh, The Rock within the first few seconds. If you smell, right? undertaker the gong i mean it's impactful immediately triple h time boom. to play the g- i mean like boom the strum of the guitar again the electric guitar but with live I, I know that i'm comparing live to all these hall of fame legends but my point is the the entrance music needs to change for live if she wants to at least in part a very small part of it but it will help to get fans more excited about her coming out other than just listening to a lullaby. So, all right, uh, we're going to take a quick break for the sponsor. And then on the other side, we're going to dive into this segment that took place with Liv and Bianca and Becky and uh, what what I made of it. So here we go. How would you like to get 47 ebooks for $1? Yes, 47 for $1. The only place to get that is millionairewealthclub.com. These books include passive income advice with Airbnbs, vending machines, credit repair, Amazon profits, YouTube celebrities, generational wealth, and much more. They're striving to push the youth to be entrepreneurs versus employees in 2022. Add this bundle to your cart and use coupon code MILLIONAIRE at checkout. If there are any issues, you can just contact them and they'll get your bundle over immediately. Head on over to millionairewealthclub.com and get 47 ebooks for a dollar. I can't believe I'm saying that. 47 ebooks for a dollar. It's really a no brainer. Head on over to millionairewealthclub.com. Welcome back to the WWE podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. All right, Welcome back. Let's jump into Monday Night Raw's uh, female segment here. As I said right before the break, the Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan uh, segment with Becky Lynch. So, Lynch was speaking to how she'd been dominant as a champion, including yet another win over Morgan. She was making comparisons to Vincent Van Gogh, Vincent Van Gogh, saying that she's a work of art and uh, running down the people of South Carolina saying that they've probably never been to a museum, all these things that are very heelish, and that's fine. Um, it's good, good. Uh, and Liv Morgan comes out and saying that she, she uh, you know, seemingly wanted another, another match. And uh, Bel Air was out there next, and the, the women briefly argued before Bel Air and Morgan threw Lynch from the ring, and then they brawled with one another. Easily a triple threat being set up here for, I think, the Royal Rumble. I think um, at the same time, do you want them in a championship match if you're going to exclude them from the Rumble? Now, it doesn't mean just because you're in a championship match at the Rumble that you're excluded from the Rumble. We've seen in the past that that's not the case, but it's generally a rule. Uh, you know, not Not hard and fast, but it's a general rule of thumb. That if you have an actual singles match or a tag match at, at uh, the Rumble, that you typically aren't involved in the Rumble itself. However, we've seen Roman Reigns do it before. We've seen Brock Lesnar do it before. Uh, you know, they, they may be more the exception than the rule. But uh, Now, look, I think, and I will stick by this, and I think I was confirmed that Becky Lynch screwed up the ending of the match at day one. Clearly screwed it up. And I'm not ragging on her for it. I'm not. I'm not uh, putting her down for it. It, it happens. She's been a top tier performer for years now. As she said, it put it broke gender barriers, all that stuff. You know, it was the first women part of the women's main event of WrestleMania. All that wonderful. And she just simply made a mistake. I just, you know, it happens. Not a great timing for a mistake. If you're gonna mess up something, it you know, messing up the ending of a match is like the worst thing you can do. But even the great. Uh, the great ones do have their moments and Becky Lynch clearly screwed it up. How do I know that? Because why would they not want uh, wanted to have said to the audience? Yeah, Liv Morgan once again was screwed by Becky Lynch. Um, they didn't also edit out or they did edit out that ending. They just showed Becky about to give Liv the manhandle slam. And they you only heard the audio of the one, two, three. You didn't see the visual in the video recap of Becky pinning Liv because you could see Becky trying to um, scurry her feet for the ropes so that, you know, obviously they could make the claim or Liv could make the claim that she once again cheated to win, that she once again used the ropes. It's a clear screw up by Becky Lynch. And I do appreciate WWE for not trying to pretend that she actually did and somehow cheated. And they just went with what they saw. I give WWE credit for that. Um, because if they tried to make up a story, I think it would have been way worse. And, uh, they, they did the right thing. They just went, well, I guess you just lost that one live clean. <laughs> you know, you lost, uh, clean live. Sorry. You know, um, it, it wasn't the greatest thing and it, it is what it is. You, you move on. Right. I mean, they got the the outcome, right. They didn't have the wrong person lose, but the way in which, uh, live should have lost was a little bit botched by Becky. But we, again, we move on, we get Bianca Belair now. And uh, Bianca Belair coming out with those glasses. I got to say, I'm not a fashionista, Okay, I don't uh, pretend that I am versed in fashion or the latest trends or uh, really any of that stuff. I mean, uh, I've got as much fashion sense as hair in my head. And if you've seen videos of me, uh, you know what I'm talking about right now. Um, It's, you know, plus being a guy in general. I don't have a great sense of fashion. I often get looks from my wife when I'm about to leave the house, which only happens when you're just about to leave the house and she looks up and down at your outfit and says, you're going to wear that. Right. As guys, tell me I'm wrong on that. If you have a significant other at home and you're about to leave the house and you're going out in public somewhere, even if it's to the store or the, you know, the in-laws or wherever a party and they look up and down, and they go, uh, you wearing that. And you immediately, you immediately go, crap, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, just one of those observations. But my, my, my point was that the fashion sense of Bianca Belair maybe is over my head. Uh, the glasses she was wearing were so distractingly bad. I, I'm not a fan. Of, okay, I hated the glasses, okay? Hated them. I'm not even going to be sugarcoating this one. They were gone awful in so many ways, in my opinion, very subjective thing, because it took away from her promo. And she, she had the smart, uh, the, the sense, the smart sense to take them off at least halfway through her promo. But while she had them on, that's all I was watching were the dangling diamonds or whatever off the sides of the glasses she was wearing. She doesn't need to be doing that. You know, and, and she's making fun of Becky Lynch for her, her coat or whatever she was wearing. And I'm like looking at uh, Bianca like, do you, do you understand about the, the pot calling the kettle black here? <laughs> like... Take a look at yourself. Um, you know, I, I love. Look, I'm a huge Bianca Belair fan. Huge. She's a she's a Hall of Famer right now. Living a Hall of Famer right now. I believe that. But uh, drop the glasses, Bianca, please. So distracting, and it, it almost looked like kind of I, I don't know, just childish. It's like something you would wear if you're at a wedding and they have those like props that you can take wacky pictures with the, the photographer that's there, you know, like the big giant glasses and top hats and canes and like, I'm here with stupid signs, all that kind of like stuff that everyone does when they're drunk and they take pictures and think it's funny at a wedding. Like I felt like she it was one of those props. Like she just went to a wedding over the weekend and decided, Hey, this is look great in my entrance, you know, <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Some of you out there are probably like, they were awesome. Uh, I thought they were distractingly terrible. So other than that, Bianca Belair is, I mean, she's an older worldly talent. She's, I, I really just, I'm so glad. And I also I like how she addressed that she took a, ju- a dude drop do- detour. There's a mouthful for you, a dude drop detour. And um, I, I like that. And she said that, you know, she she's been out of it for a little while, but she's back. And that's great. Yes, taking a detour is healthy for your career. It gives a chance for fans to breathe on your character, and and take a step away and decide if they miss you or not, you know. But Bianca Belair here and Liv Morgan battled, brawled, and um, I, I think it's a three way. You would, you know, logic would dictate that, I'm, I'm based on WWE thinking, you know, the traditional booking, it looks like it could be a three way. At the Rumble, anyway. Okay, uh, the next item on the docket here. Boy, do I even talk about this? I really, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> and that's Vince McMahon. I mean, the, the old man is, uh, I, I've come on here and just cracked on him every time he's been on camera. And I'm going to continue to do so. So if you think I'm going to sit here and give the old man some leeway, No. I'm not. In fact, I'm going to double, triple down on it tonight because this really has nothing to do with Austin Theory. Austin Theory is a very good talent, youth, athleticism, presence, good looking, all of it. Wonderful. Yeah. He's got all the tools, as they say. But the again, I don't understand Vince McMahon coming back a month ago to decide to do this weird egg thing and then bring in Austin theory and slap him around all, all this just weird crap. And you can't understand what Vince is saying anyway. And it wasn't any better this week. I mean, he, he was on the phone as he's always on the phone because anytime anyone's on the phone, apparently a camera's on them. (laughs) That's how you transition into a segment. That's the WWE law. If you're, if you're by yourself, you need to be on your phone. Kurt angle did it. Vince does it. Adam Pierce does it when he's alone. Sonya Deville does it when she's alone. Everybody needs to be on their phone texting or pretending to be on the phone, which begs the question, why is a camera on you if that's all you're doing? Is the cameraman that bored that they decide to just have a camera on you when you're texting? All right. So I know some of you are just like, shut up and talk about the segment. All right, here we go. Um, So. Austin Theory again is bowing at the altar of Vince McMahon, cowering at his every whim, you know, shivering and shaking in his boots on every word that he says, which is really unintelligible anyway. He could probably just, probably just guess at what Vince is saying, because no one can understand him anyway. But I did get some things out of Vince this week. Here's what I got out of Vince. He's a grumpy old man that. Feels like he's your like your grandfather that uh, is at the age where he just doesn't give any Fs anymore. And he just starts talking about things that have always bothered him that people do. And here, here's what I'm talking about. Vince scolded Austin Theory for saying, I didn't mean to interrupt and said that people don't mean that. And saying, I'm sorry, shows weakness after Austin Theory said, I'm sorry. It's just like his old age. he he, it's like he's airing all of his grievances and I believe he believes these things in real life Uh, from all the stories that we've heard that Vince doesn't like when people sneeze. I believe it. You know, um, when you call out Vince in front of a group of people, doesn't like it. Um, that he's all about alpha male, 14 year old sense of humor, uh, ribbing, um, and this kind of stuff, when you know, when people say things that are just always said, and he has to talk about them because he they truly annoy him. I I would bet almost anything that when he hears people say "I didn't mean to interrupt," but or "I'm sorry," you know, those things, and we hear them all the time. It's like passing somebody at work, and you say, "Hey, how you doing?" and they say, "Good, good. How are you?" Right? There's never any other responses. How many people have actually gotten a response at work when you pass somebody at work or they come to your desk, you go to their desk or whatever. And they say to you or you say to them, "How you doing?" and what has anybody gotten a response beyond "Oh, not too bad. Good. How you doing?" or "Living the dream?" or any of those awful, awful office troped just overused, empty, soulless responses that you get. If you live in a cubicle, you know what I'm talking about if you're not telecommuting at this point. But you know, live in the dream, or another day in paradise, or you know any of those just god awful cringy responses. But typically, you get the good. How you doing? Right, that's it. You know, And very rarely does somebody go. Oh, well, oh, let, me, let me let me tell you about the last couple of weeks, brother. You know, first of all, very rarely do you have people go into the life story, at least in passing. All right, now now I'm getting into my work life that. I'm giving you guys a peek into that. Some things just really annoy me. So I guess I'm Vince by spirit, but I believe that Vince McMahon truly hates these things. And he's just so suddenly, he's just airing his real life grievances in storyline. I I really believe that. So I don't understand the purpose of this at all. He put Austin theory in the rumble match and uh tease that he, you know, if he wins it, he could go to the main event of WrestleMania to that. I say, LOL. I mean, L M A O O O O O, crying, laughing, emoji face. I mean, it's just you would think there's no way. You would think there's what is the payoff events in Austin theory? I can guarantee they don't have one. Just like they had no long term thought uh, for the Retribution Group or Raw Underground or why Le- Brock Lesnar's suspension was lifted or why New Day or I'm sorry, why uh, the Hurt Business got disbanded back together, disbanded back together. None of these things are ever explained. They just happen. And it's uh, all just insulting as a a viewer. So um, keep Vince off my screen unless you want to do subtitles. Can we pretend that he's speaking a foreign language and we just have an interpreter there or somebody doing sign language that just follows the camera around? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to rant on that a little bit. I don't know if I consider that a rant. but um, Okay. What what the hell was I talking about? Uh, I don't know. Let's move on to Damian Priest and Dolph Ziggler for the United States Championship. I have to say, Damian Priest on the microphone is compelling. You know, he he could be talking about the most boring thing in the world, but he's got such a deep, commanding voice that he he just he commands your attention when he's on the mic, and. You know, um, I like how the stipulation was put into place in this match that if Damian lost via disqualification, the belt would change hands. Makes sense. And in this instance, again, good match. A lot of good near falls. There was a zigzag moment. I thought it was that was it. There was a famouser moment after Robert Roode interfered that I thought that was it. But if we've learned anything about Dolph Ziggler's career over the last ten years, it's that he generally loses the big matches and that the zigzag is at this point about as effective as a handshake in terms of finishing maneuvers and it is probably i don't have the stats on this i don't know if anybody does is probably the most kicked out of finish of all time is the zigzag so even though it was a fun quick spot to see and you're like oh my god because the zigzag happened so quick and ziggler is so smooth in the ring you're thinking wait something could happen here Good match. Really good match. I enjoyed it. But I think we all knew the outcome that uh, that was going to happen. And that is Damien Priest retaining the United States Championship after uh, he snapped into Damien mode. Uh, uh, Damien is, even though it's his first name, again, that's what he labels his darkness. Fine. And he was able to contain it, hits the reckoning, and he retains the United States Championship. So I'm fine with this. I thought this was fine. I thought this was, you know, good to very good. Omos versus AJ Styles. Omos defeated AJ via pinfall with a choke bomb, i.e. like a double arm choke slam. Styles had a few hope spots, but the match ultimately was dominated by Omos. Yeah, Omos still has not taken a finish. And if there's any finish that Omos could have taken, it's this one to see how he reacts to a finish. He doesn't have to leave his feet. All it is is a forearm. So, you, you know, you wonder, yeah, wh- where is this taken? Omas has not, again, not lost a match, much less left his feet, much less taken a finish, much less even got any, anybody got sustained offense against him. I mean, he is, you talk about untouchable. Oh, my God. He's about as untouchable as it gets right now. Omas is like, you know, walking on water. And I do wonder what role he's going to have in the Rumble. I don't think he's going to win the Rumble, but the moment that he comes out, it's going to be a big moment because somebody is going to be in that ring that's also big to go face to face or or Omos is going to be the one to clear out the ring when there's a buildup of like 12 guys and then somebody baby wise comes out comparable to his size to go face to face with him. Imagine Brock and Omos. I know Brock has a championship match. But Brock and Omas face to face would be fun, right? Drew McIntyre and Omas face to face would be fun. There's some moments that they could create here. Some really fun moments with Omas. I just don't think there's, you know, any at least in this year, 2022, any, any plans for him to main event WrestleMania this year anyway. So uh but again, AJ gets essentially squashed by Omas and as, as excited as we all were, including myself, of AJ getting into a singles role. Well, now where we were getting it, <laughs> AJ Styles, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, gets squashed by Omas. You know, that's it is Omas. He's a giant. They're pushing him. But still, when's the last time AJ Styles got squashed in a match at all for any reason? I can't remember. All right. The Street Profits. Defeat Apollo Cruz and Commander Aziz via pinfall when Montez Ford hit Cruz with a frog splash. Not on Hulu, and I see why. Um, You know, and that's not to say I have any disrespect for any of these men. No, it's just that the, uh, I guess the consequences of this match were null and void. In other words, there's not really much to this. There's no real stakes on the on the line here. Uh, The Street Profits winning made sense, but Apollo Cruz and Commander Aziz, I do miss them on a on a big stage. I got to say I do miss commander Aziz and Apollo Cruz more, of course, uh, with a championship, because I think we're heading into WrestleMania last year. He was a lot of fun to listen to. And now he's been relegated to kind of the doldrums of uh, the tag team division, losing match after match. So it, it is a bit disappointing right now. Women's tag team championship because you know, Hey, they got to have a championship match. And, uh, you know, they can't they can't go with one to, to one raw without it. And Carmella and Queen Zelina defeat Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley when Zelina rolled up Nikki to retain the titles. I mean, OK, I, I will say this. If there's another round of layoffs, I haven't heard anything. But Nikki Cross is likely in the crosshairs of a budget cut. That's my guess. I hope not. You know, I really, as much as I despise the Nikki ASH character, I hate it with every fiber of my being. I don't wish for anyone to lose their jobs. But my point is that if there is another round, she should probably be a little bit weary of it, uh, given how she's being used, how how little TV time, mic time she's gotten over the last several months. I'd be very careful. Um, And Rhea Ripley and and, uh, Rhea, or rather, Rhea Ripley and Nikki are destined to split up at this point. The problem with splitting them up is you're going to leave Carmella and Queen Zelina unopposed in the women's tag team division. I can't even call it the women's tag team division. You know, to be in a division means you have to have several other competitors, of which there's not. You have, right now, two on Raw. Two. It's pathetic. It's a joke of a... They're making a mockery of the championship. So anyway, uh, moving on, let's see, Chad Gable and Otis defeat RK bro via pinfall. When Otis hit riddle with a front slam, Otis and Gable attacked before the match. And after Gable vowed that they would be the men who ended RK bros title reign. Yeah, I think that could be right. You know, I actually called and I missed it that RK bro would lose the belts, the tag team belts. At day one of course until I saw them with my ghost migos Migos I don't know I'm terrible with especially <laughs> that genre of music you know not my thing I'm more of an in sync backstreet boys and, and 98 degrees and new kids on the block guy um I'll I'll leave you hanging if I'm being serious or not <laughs> so uh, I'm glad I'm doing audio not video on this one but um I, look I think RK bro will lose the belts and I missed that prediction until I saw that group on uh, on day one, and I immediately knew that they're not going to put a group, a celebrity group with a bunch of losers that lose the match, okay? So immediately I knew RK-Bro was winning, but it was too late. I made my prediction, and I was wrong. But Gable and Otis could absolutely be the ones to start the cracking of the foundation of RK-Bro. And if that happens at Rumble, I think they're going Riddle Orton at WrestleMania. I think they're still going that way anyway. I don't see any other path for these two. Unless they take on some legendary tag team or something, I don't think they're going to go that long. So, uh, and Chad Gable at Otis, good. I, I really enjoy these two more than I ever thought I would. Uh, Reggie and Dana Brooke defeat Tamina and Akira Tozawa via pinfall when Reggie hit Tozawa with a flipping a flipping senton. Brooke would have lost the twenty four seven championship had she been pinned. Um. Okay. Well, the fact that Tamina or Brooke is the twenty four seven champion is is a joke. Uh, I mean, the 24 seven championship to say it's a joke is an insult to jokes. Um, I mean, I I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just like this thing that hangs around and hangs around and hangs around. There's no cure to get rid of it. Um, It's like, it's like a bad STD that just sticks around and you you can treat it, but you can never cure it. Uh, I don't, I, I don't mean to be too graphic and I have no idea why that's that analogy came to my mind. But it is kind of like that. Like the 24-7 championship is an STD that that there's no cure for. There's just treatment, right? Like treatment, in other words, to have it off your screen for a week or two, to uh, actually have a semi-entertaining segment with it, which is very rare now. But there's never any cure where you just abolish it completely. And I I don't know why. But uh, all right. This match uh, was, sorry, meaningless. Yeah, if anybody has any invested interest in Reggie, Dana, Brooke, Tamina, and/or Akira Tozawa at this point, I, you know, I I feel for you. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, just I I, don't, I I'd love to talk to somebody that actually has emotional investment in those four. Not that they don't have talent, but all right, uh, I think that covers it. Did I cover everything already? I think I did. Um, now, here here is interestingly. Because I always like to compare my thoughts with CBS Sports and others. You know, the Bleacher, Bleacher Report does a great job covering Raw in detail, among others. Sports Kita, but uh, I want to give you a paragraph to sum up what they said about Monday Night Raw. Raw, and this is I quote: Raw was on a whole, on the whole, a terrible show. That said, it opened and closed strong with Lesnar and Heyman officially reunited in a chaotic four-way match. Interestingly, we are finally going to see the long-awaited showdown between Lesnar and Lashley. Reigns' COVID diagnosis threw things into a bit of a chaos between Day One, Rumble, and Raw, but WWE seems to be making the best of it, even if Big E is ultimately the victim of some panicked booking decisions. Again, a terrible edition of Raw, but with strong segments around the WWE Championship, and that's what we're grading here. Wow, okay, I mean, I see that, and I guess maybe I'm a little bit skewed about thinking Raw's a little bit better than it was because it opened and closed strong because a lot of times what we remember in 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 our life are things that begin and end, not really the middle of things. A lot of times. So um yeah I, I would I I see some validity in that, but I guess I'm still rating Raw a little bit higher. A little bit. Because I still enjoyed the Ms and Maurice segment. Uh Ms Maurice, Beth Phoenix, and Edge. I think that was also a strong segment. And uh, yeah, Bianca Belair back in the title picture is a good thing. So, yeah, I'm still a little higher than CBS Sports was, but um, I see their I see their argument there. So that is the Monday Night Raw review here for Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. I hope everybody enjoyed this. Of course, if you want to hear more of my show, you can do that ad free. That is on Apple Podcasts. My page has a subscribe now button to get ad-free. Patreon is ad-free. Dollar there. Dollar at uh, Apple Podcasts. Can't go wrong. Um, And I will be back tomorrow night with your mailbag. So send in your questions to realwwepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, that will be my final show for the week until my week in review on Sunday night. I'm trying to get co-hosts, guys. I do have somebody who's going to the SmackDown show on the 7th, this Friday, I have somebody there in person that's going. And I'm going to try to do a, uh, a co-hosting segment. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I really, really want to get this person on and uh, be able to talk about their in-person perspective from the SmackDown show on Friday. So uh, that is forthcoming. But thank you, everybody, for listening. Continue to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review again spotify offers reviews and uh, it really helps out the show thank you so much everybody as always take care happy new year and i'll talk to you next time thanks for listening to the wwe podcast don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time. How would you like to get 47 ebooks for $1? Yes, 47 for a dollar. The only place to get that is MillionaireWealthClub.com. These books include passive income advice with Airbnbs, vending machines, credit repair, Amazon profits, YouTube celebrities, generational wealth, and much more. They're striving to push the youth to be entrepreneurs versus employees in 2022. Add this bundle to your cart and use coupon code MILLIONAIRE at checkout. If there are any issues, you can just contact them and they'll get your bundle over immediately. Head on over to millionairewealthclub.com and get 47 ebooks for a dollar. I can't believe I'm saying that. 47 ebooks for a dollar. It's really a no brainer. Head on over to millionairewealthclub.com.